Welcome to Chumbology, a Chumbawamba anthology podcast. On this podcast, we are digging song by song, album by album, through the discography of one of the most overlooked bands of all time, Chumbawamba. And we did it, folks. Album number three, technically four, in the bag. In the bag. Today we are doing our wrap-up episode of the album Slap. A, a slap-up, if you will. <laughs> Does it feel like forever to you um, since we started this album? Literally, time does not feel real to me anymore. I yeah. Both at the same time, it feels like all of this shit started yesterday. Yeah. And at the same time, it feels like I have been living my entire life like this. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm in purgatory, and I wish I was dead. When I was when when I was getting ready to record this episode, I was looking back through um, the wrap-up episode notes for uh, Nevermind the Ballots, just so I could like refresh my memory of like all the bullet points we hit in the wrap-up episodes. And one of the notes that I wrote in for that episode was, it feels like forever since we've started this album, because at that time it did because of all the uh, presidential shit that was happening. And, and I read that and I was like, this is another lifetime. Like these notes, (laughs) like read it, like my notes complaining about like Pete Buttigieg and shit. Like that's another lifetime entirely. Like, Who's Pete Buttigieg at this point? Who's Tom Steyer? Who's John Delaney? I don't fucking know. <laughs> one of one of the uh, the silver linings of all of this happening is that it has completely erased my brain of knowing anything about the Democratic primary because yeah. it doesn't fucking matter anymore. I have um, literally not thought about the presidential election in, in like at least two weeks, which is the longest amount of time that I have not thought about a presidential election in, I think, the past three years. I thought about the presidential election today because as of when we were recording this, April 7th, um, Wisconsin just voted in person despite there being a fucking pandemic going on. And their Supreme Court, I believe it was the state Supreme Court, uh, ruled that uh, like ballots that weren't sent in by the day will not count. So if you did not pre-send in your mail-in ballot, tried to do it late so you didn't have to go fucking stand in line, your vote's just not going to count. So yep. uh, democracy is officially dead in the United States of America. Don't vote for Joe Biden. Don't vote for Bernie Sanders. Don't vote for Donald Trump. Buy a gun and learn how to use it. <laughs> That's the official, on-record, Chambology uh, opinion of the 2020 election from now on. Uh, yeah, we're, we're embracing full nihilism now, folks. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> we tried. We gave it another shot. I, I supported Bernie Sanders. I phone banked and text banked. We we did it, and it's done. It didn't work. So now it's yeah. round two. Buy a gun. Learn <laughs> how to use it. Grow some kind of yeah. grow some kind of vegetable in your in your shed. Introduce yourself to all your neighbors. Start a rent strike. Do whatever you can to overthrow any sort of fucking hierarchies that are going on in this world but do it all from behind a computer screen right now because if you leave your house you're a fucking idiot unless you're an essential employee in that case you're braver than the troops yeah that's about it that's That's about the size of it all right that's the podcast good night y'all yeah good night (laughs) y'all thanks for tuning in (laughs) oh shit yeah it's been 
You know what else it feels like it's for been forever, Teddy? It feels like forever since we've done an episode of this show that didn't have a guest on it because we've done the past like was it three episodes? I think we did three straight. in a row. Which is yeah. cool. I like having guests on. Me too. Especially when it fills the void of having a social life outside of um, yeah, outside I- of like Facebook Messenger and <laughs> and watching uh, people do speed runs on Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, having an excuse to talk to a person like. Not face-to-face, but uh, at least mouth-to-mouth. Yeah. And have it be about something other than like, oh, well, how are you holding up? Here it's like, all right, let's get in the fucking brass tacks of what you thought about this album that came out 30 years ago. Like, Yeah. It's nice. The timely, it, important, relevant opinions yeah. uh, that we present on Chumbology. But uh, if, if you're out there and you're like, damn, I've been having a, a sad time in quarantine, start a podcast. But yeah. don't don't just make it a podcast where you and your friend bullshit. There's enough of those. Pick a topic, get fucking smart about something, get smarter than me, and then I'll listen to your podcast, and then we can get smarter together. Pick a topic, get smart about it, and then bullshit around that topic. Exactly. That's you the know, best way to do a podcast. Use use the topic that you are an alleged expert in uh, to as like as like a, a mask against the fact that you are in fact a host of just a two friends bullshitting podcast. Yeah, and <laughs> that's the way we do it here on Chumpology. If you pick a subject that you're passionate about, uh, people from Ireland will email you. So yeah, yeah, they don't. And do if you that. live in Ireland, <laughs> email if you us. live in Ireland, people in the United States will email you. Yeah, you can make some friends. I think Yo. we should try. We should really try and get that that Irish person on the show. That'd be we'll, fun. We'll talk yeah. more later, but we should yeah. try and hit as many countries as we can. We got Canada yeah. out of the way. We did. That's a, that's a fact. Let's, and we uh, also got um, we also got New York out of the way with Rudy. Uh, the, that's a country. The great country of New York and <laughs> LAO. Oh yeah, I, I always forget that. And LAO you, you live in New York. Well, I don't count because I one I live in New York City, that's which is true. completely different than the rest of New it's York. More State. like New York City. Yeah, sure. <laughs> And uh, and two, um, hey, we're the epicenter of the pandemic. You're not allowed to make fun of New York City until this is all over. <laughs> um, but but two, I always forget that Elio doesn't live in New Jersey. He basically does. He basically New, does. New York City is basically New Jersey, and like New Rochelle and that part is also yeah. basically New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <You're> right. <laughs> I think I told you, but I was talking to someone from Newburgh, and at first they didn't tell me they were from Newburgh. They said, like, the general area. I was like, oh, nice. I have friends up in Newburgh. And they were like, oh, that's actually where I'm from. I just assumed no one would know what Newburgh was because no one's ever fucking been there. And I was like, no, I go to Newburgh all the time. I used to go to this, like, anarchist collective called The Moon, and they were like, I know where that is. I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) The world is too fucking small. (laughs) Shout out to The Moon. Yeah. We miss it. Rest in peace. Shout out to Rudy and... All the other anarchists up there doing good work. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. cool. I'm glad you made a new Newburgh friend. Yeah, my, my new Newburgh. New Newburgh. Do you wanna um do you wanna buy an island like Dana White and call it New Newburgh? Yes, absolutely. And then we'll just move the moon there and then yeah. anarchists who forced uh, forage for mushrooms can cook for me. Yeah, yeah. And then I can die happy. Actually I cooked with chili. the forest I cooked that chili. Not the what? not the first time. Yeah, I was gonna uh, say not I that made, first chili. I made the chili or the stir fry uh, that we did at the uh, the Moon Fest. What was it called? Moonapalooza. Oh yeah. Because Elio like bought all the ingredients and then panicked, and then I cooked it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs>
I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good stir fry. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm not yeah. a bad chef. Yeah, yeah, you 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 know your way around a walk. Yeah, we were using yeah. a very big pot instead because you know you make do with what you have when you're yeah. in an anarchist collective in Newburgh, <laughs> but it came out pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to the moon. Shout out yeah. to stir fry. Yeah. Shout wow. out to Chumbawamba's uh, very truly bizarre album slap you know listening to this album at times was not unlike trying to cook a stir fry in a big pot that's a fair comparison uh and part of me is sad that it's over because (laughs) of how unhinged the past few weeks have been i was like a little sad at this album ending because as you said it it truly is one of the more unhinged albums i've heard in recent history and felt very fitting to be discussing during this very unhinged time in human history yeah but uh, i started listening to shush and to jesus h christ and those are both fucking absolutely unhinged albums okay good i can't wait i've actually never listened to either of those albums before um so i think i think with shush i'm gonna um i'm gonna experiment with not listening to the album front to back until we get to the wrap-up episode so we'll see because it, cause it's the only Chumbawamba album I've never listened to, at least from their studio albums. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. It, it's but, got a lot of samples on it. It sounds similar to Slap. It's a little bit less, like, jazz sky and more yeah. pop-y, pop-punky. Okay. Not pop-punk, but, like, Not pop-punk, but pop, pop and punk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. But, okay. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, so uh, this album... <laughs> was fucking slap. slap slap is over slap is over <laughs> done with slap um, is canceled i really i really enjoyed our, our journey it feels i was Me thinking too. once again not to point out that we live in a hell world and that time is fake but i remember when we started recording this album i would listen to the the uh, the tracks we were doing at my job and now i do not have to go to my job anymore so yeah <laughs> what what uh what was what can you tell us a little bit about um for those of us who might be too young to remember, can you tell us a little bit about about what a job was like? Oh, it was it was fun. You would go <laughs> go to this big room full of people. You would pretend to do work for seven hours a day, and then yeah. do an hour's worth of work. Um, every Friday, your job would buy you bagels. That's the thing Ooh. I miss most. Um, my uh, my manager sent out like an email, and then had one of my coworkers like asking, being like, "Hey." We understand, like, this is a real fucking weird time. Like, what can we do to, like, restore some sort of, like, normalcy? What do you guys miss from the office? What can we do? And I was like, I want you to bring back Bagel Fridays. I want you to mail me a bagel every fucking Friday. So. <laughs> I personally miss Michael Scott from the office. <laughs> but um, I don't. Caroline and I have been watching a lot of The Office while I I'm, play Animal Crossing. It's I'm the sorry. Most more, it's the most normy thing I've been doing. I actually think The Office is an okay show. As I, far as it's, it's one of those, it's one of those examples of something that can be very super normy and also overrated. But like, like removing it from that context, it's pretty funny. There, there are some like bits and jokes on The Office that I think are really fucking incredible. But for the most part, I, I feel like it's just like a really bland show. Like it's very not, good background noise. It is good background noise. I don't know. I I, I burnt myself out on it. I, I've been watching the Jersey Shore, which is uh, has made being completely touch starved a little bit more bearable <laughs> because I watch these absolutely <laughs> awful human beings and go, yeah, I'm glad I'm not doing that. Like, <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, Jersey Shore. Man, I love prestige television. <laughs> I was talking, I was pitching to someone that I want a, a shot-for-shot remake of the Jersey Shore, but cat like, scripted. Yeah. like, I, And I think it would work really well as a stage show. That, we should talk about that. That sounds like something that'd be up my alley. <laughs> that is true. So imagine this. Just we get a bunch of like amateur actors and we redo the Jersey Store, for, uh, Jersey Shore for stage. Yeah. We do like an episode every like two weeks or something. I mean, the 90% of the show takes place at their house yeah. or at the club. So you can build very minimal sets and then just have people reenact Jersey Shore episodes. I think it'd be very funny. Hear me out. We take that idea, we turn it into an audio drama, we Ooh. release it every other week on our Patreon feed. We could do that. I still <laughs> really want to do a reading of uh, Marijuana Simpson. I do too. I was actually thinking about that the other day, about I how have... that idea came up uh, when we were recording an episode of this podcast that is allegedly about Chumbawamba. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> we should, we should now that we have an abundance of free time, we should... Yeah. Uh, we should get cracking on that we should start asking people to god coordinating that would be a fucking nightmare i love our guests i love everyone who has been on this show we have not yet had a single guest who turned their headphones down quietly enough that i didn't have to edit out copious amounts of me and teddy talking from their audio track (laughs) (laughs) so if we did like a, a reading of marijuana simpson i mean you would lose a little bit of like the character reactors but we could just have everyone do their lines separately that's true. And then edit it all together. I mean, I That's don't think it would be as fun. Most likely, that we might want to save for when we could do it live. Yeah. Like, get, like, <laughs> seven or eight of us in a room with, like, an actual, like, mic setup. Yeah. We can, we can so is that what a Chumbawamba, uh, is that what a Chumbology live show looks like? Oh my we just God. show up and do something that isn't at all related to Chumbology? So if if Memorial Gay ends up happening and Jem wants us to play, we should do a live read of Marijuana Simpson and just get like seven or eight people to sit there with microphones and read this drama about what if Homer Simpson smoked weed. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would go really, 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 really poorly. <laughs> I considering, think considering Jem's uh Jem's dad yelled at me last year for cussing. <laughs> That's true. It was very it was very scary. It was this like He's a scary man. It was this 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 drunk this drunk guy, this drunk old man coming up to me and saying, You need to watch your potty mouth. <laughs> he literally said the words potty mouth to me, and I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> um we were at Jem's house one time, and there was, like, an entire summer where we didn't do anything except, like, sit in his basement and watch Goosebumps. It was back before, like, Netflix was a thing, so I had downloaded every episode of Goosebumps um, illegally. Sorry, R.L. Stein. Hell and, yeah. And uh, they had uh, – it was originally shown in, like, Norwegian or something, so they had all these, like, Norwegian commercials in there. That's but awesome. So we were just, like, doing this bit based off of one of the commercials, and Jem's dad came down and was just, like, yelling at us about it, and we were like – the fuck did we do like what like <laughs> i don't know it weird shit <laughs> shout out to jem who is probably listening to this um shout out to jem's dad who is also a huge chumbawamba fan that's how jem got into chumbawamba oh really me. yeah his, his dad uh bought the album tub thumper and like played it non-stop i asked jem if we could get sick. his dad on the podcast he said maybe we would probably have to do it in person. I don't. I don't know if he would be yeah. coordinated enough to do it over a Skype call. But well, maybe that'll be our Memorial Gay episode. Oh my God, that's a great idea! If we <laughs> we interview <laughs> about his Chumbawamba experiences, 
I'm gonna bleep out Jem's last name there so they can, so people can't find his dad. Yeah. <laughs> He's a, a prominent medical figure. <laughs> Show up to his office and be like, "So I heard you like Chumbawamba." <laughs> well, speaking of Chumbawamba, um... oh yeah, right, Chumbawamba. That's what we came here to talk about this evening. <laughs> So I, I see that you had pointed out something we do on these wrap ups is discuss other cultural moments of 1990. Yeah. Um, and I, I do appreciate you pointed out that it was a big year for songs that use the letter U instead of yes. the letter U. Yes. The top five biggest hits in popular music throughout the world in the year 1990. Uh, this is according to Wikipedia. Um, number five was something called It Must Have Been Love by Roxette, which is actually not a song I'm familiar with. But these other four are honestly fucking bangers. Uh, number four was You Can't Touch This by MC Hammer. Number three was Ice Ice Baby by, by Vanilla Ice. Classic. Uh, number two was Vogue by Madonna. And number one was Nothing Compares to You by Sinead O'Connor. Uh, so yeah, both Nothing Compares to You and You Can't Touch This are uh, titles that are songs that use that classic convention of replacing the word you with the letter U. that Hell was yeah. big in the nineties. <laughs> um, and yeah, it, 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 I always like pointing out other like musical stuff that was going on around the time these albums were released because it really contextualizes just how like, like what Chumbawamba was doing compared to other bands and artists. And I think thinking about all of these very like, like, like Ice Ice Baby and You Can't Touch This sound like the 90s. That is what the early 90s sounds like, yeah. right? And considering that those two songs came out the same year that fucking, like, Chase PC's Flea Attack by Own Dog came out, <laughs> like, is just some of the wildest shit in the world to me. Um, and it really helps me remember the fact that Chumbawamba was such a strange little beast of a band yeah. prior to their like top 40 album. And it, it it just it just helps me remember just how strange it is that they became like as successful as they did later on. <laughs> also in 1990 should be pointed out that uh it was the year that Home Alone came out, major cultural touchstone. Mhm. Um as well as Misery, one of my favorite movies of all time and the first live-action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Oh, most fuck importantly, yeah. Which does feel on brand with Chumbawamba. I, I feel like if you told me, if you like, just gave me those two pieces of information, I'd be like, yeah, okay. Um, also came out that year, um, this is for those of you that can separate the art from the artist, but the, uh, the infamous Bill Cosby movie, Ghost Dad. Oh my god. Um, I don't know if you've seen Ghost Dad, but it's, I it's, have fucking seen Ghost Dad. It's a fucking Dad. trip. My favorite scene in Ghost Dad is that it starts with the cop pissing on him. Yeah. Because he died and the cop can't see him because he's a ghost. But uh, yeah. very brave way to start a movie. Very, very pointed social commentary <laughs> yeah. there. Uh, I think that out of all of the pop culture like pieces we just talked about uh, in the past couple minutes, the one that most closely resembles like the spirit of this album is probably Ghost Dad. Because Ghost Dad <laughs> is a fucking unhinged movie. Absolutely unhinged. Um, Troll 2 also came out, the infamous <sighs> bad movie. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I love that movie. It's That's so a good fucking one. good. That's one of my favorite bad movies. I absolutely love it. So, Teddy, I, I understand we got a, a fair number of emails uh, since our last wrap-up show and uh, other comments from listeners. Uh, did you want to share some that you found interesting? Yeah. 
So we have received over the past few weeks uh, quite a few emails from our official Irish uh, correspondent. I believe they uh, would prefer to remain anonymous, so we will not be mentioning their name. But um, the most recent one they sent us was about uh, Bernadette Devlin, who is someone that we talked about on this episode or uh, on this show. Uh, She was the one that we discussed uh, in the song Slap. Yes. Because she uh, slapped another politician over, I do not remember exactly what, I'm sure you can remind me. The Bloody Sunday uh, Massacre. Uh, basically, he said that, the the short, the short version of it is that uh, he said that uh, the protesters deserved to get shot, more or less. They were acting too rowdy and, and they deserved to get shot. And Bernadette Devlin was like, fuck that, and slapped him in the face because of it. Yeah. So here, here's that email we received. I'm going to read this one in its entirety because it is very interesting. And then we're going to kind of summarize some of the other emails they have sent. Because while they are full of information, I cannot read. Um, and they're regarding uh, previous topics we talked about. So this one starts off with, Ciao, Chumbawambins. Uh, I'm listening to this week's episode about Slap Today. Having never listened to the whole uh, album, I was mildly surprised to learn that the album and song named for Bernadette Devlin, maybe mildly because I think I knew this once and forgot about it. Here are some Bernadette Devlin facts for you. Bernadette Devlin was then the MP for Mid-Ulster and a veteran of the Northern Irish Civil Rights Movement. Inspired by the U.S. Civil Rights Movement, she and her contemporaries fought against the prejudice suffered by Catholics in the North, including housing discrimination, both private and public, job discrimination, and a voting system that in effect denied many Catholics the vote. She became an MP aged just 22 and picked up a conviction for inciting a riot after she'd become an MP. (laughs) That fucking rules. Uh, Irish Americans loved her until she came over to America and expressed her support for the Black Power Movement. She refused to meet big Irish American racist and then mayor of Chicago, Richard Daly. She led a chorus of We Shall Overcome at a fundraiser. And when she got given the keys to the city of New York by uh, the mayor, she handed them over to the New York branch of the black panther party that fucking rules this this fucking woman was awesome Um, yeah she wasn't just a representative of the people attacked by the army on bloody sunday she survived the bloody sunday massacre she's taking part in the march against internment uh british anti-terrorism tactic which involved arresting people with no warning and putting them in prison and then torturing them and interrogating them which was disrupted by the british army just randomly shooting people she said that she had to drop to the ground to dodge the bullets that were being fired to the crowd. Having witnessed the actual incident, you'd think she'd get to talk about it during the debate in the House of Commons, wouldn't you? But it didn't work out that way. The Speaker of the House kept denying her the floor. Then Reginald Malding, who was a government minister, said that the soldiers only shot in the crowd in self-defense. For the record, some people might have thrown stones at the soldiers. That's it. But the people who were shot, one of them, a 17-year-old had nail bombs in his pockets, but he hadn't thrown them, and it seemed unlikely that the soldiers could have known that he had them. No one said that the soldiers were under attack except the soldiers and the government that had sent them to Northern Ireland. Denied the right to speak again and again, Miss Devlin crossed the chamber and slapped Reginald Balding across the face. Here's a clip of her explaining her decision. Note that she says, I'm just sorry I didn't get him by the throat. Uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll include that video in the other show notes today. As of 2020, no one has ever been convicted of any crime in relation to Bloody Sunday. It took 30-odd years for the British government to admit the truth after lying a bunch. Several of the people who were involved in the massacre are now dead and can't be charged with anything or given any evidence. Justice delayed is justice denied. 
Last year, one soldier whose name is unofficially known, Soldier F, was charged with two murders and four attempted murders. God wow. only know, knows if he can be convicted 48 years after the fact, especially since Boris Johnson is vehemently opposed to the very idea of putting Soldier F on trial. Nobody with any actual power has ever been threatened with criminal charges. I don't agree with everything Bernadette Devlin has ever said or done. She defended a member of the IRA, which is pretty gross. But on this occasion, she was able to protest 13 murders and one indirect killing and defend the memory of victims of the state in front of the whole world. That's worth something. Nowadays, she will work to defend workers' rights and rights of the oppressed in Northern Ireland. And she seems to be putting justice ahead of nationalism or republicanism, which is pretty cool. So... Thank you for that. And they also included a note, uh, let's crush COVID-19. So much solidarity with everyone in Ireland, who I Hell assume yeah. is faring way better than us over here in America because their country is not ran by uh, like a brain-dead old man. But yeah, right. As far as I know, it might be. <laughs> so one other thing that I think is uh, interesting about Bernadette Devlin, uh, first off, she's still alive and she's still um, she's currently does work with migrant workers to improve their treatment in Northern Ireland, which, uh, seems pretty cool. Um, you know, that's a big, a big, uh, issue both in the United States and the United Kingdom these days. Uh, I was going to say that we should try to get her on the show, but in 2003, she was barred from entering the United States and deported uh, because the Department of State declared her to pose, quote, a serious threat to the security of the United States. <laughs> and according to Wikipedia, the speculation is that she was denied entry because of her uh, conviction for incitement to riot that you mentioned. So uh, if we did want to get Bernadette Devlin on the show, we'd have to do some... Uh, we, 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 we unfortunately wouldn't be able to fly her first class to the Chumbology Studios... It, it would seem as we are known to do with all of our guests <laughs> yeah 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 we're flying people from the tri-state area to our <laughs> to our luxurious studio in newark new jersey all right so another email that was sent to us by our same irish correspondent was regarding uh Bob Geldof, who we had discussed uh, back on episode seven dutiful servants and political masters um so, as we said, this is our listener from Ireland, and uh, so was Bob Jeldoff, if I am correct here. I'm going to summarize this email probably poorly, just because I cannot read that much. But um, so, Bob Jeldoff was in a band called the Boomtown Rats, which is yeah. a very cool band name, um, who were one of the only like punk new wavy bands to make it out of Ireland and become like an international success. Um, so, they had a few hit singles in like the 80s. And then uh, he was one of the main people behind this live aid thing. So, he kind of went from being like, like a punk. And then uh, went on to form the, the Band-Aid supergroup, and they did the Do Do They Know It's Christmas song that oh, everyone yeah. loves to fucking hate. Oh. Um, <laughs> so after this was when they did, uh, it was a telethon concert series. In 1985, a year before, Chumbawamba released Pictures of Starving Children's Cell Records. So that was what Live Aid actually was. Um, and so it was. It took place in three countries over 24 hours with performances from tons of famous musicians. So after this, he received like a lot of praise for this. And it, so it seems like this all kind of played as like a publicity stunt that uh, Live Aid was and like a 
collective act of goodwill by unpaid volunteers, but at the same time, they were doing things like running cigarette ads during the concert, a bunch of the artists, right, although right. they participated in this and didn't necessarily profit from it. It was pretty much like free advertising. Um, so this was what the like Chumbawamba was responding to, the idea that this act of charity, although it was like technically an act of charity, ended up being more so like an advertising technique for like him and and these other bands that yeah. uh, got got into it um so apparently the boontown rats also have a few good songs before the guy uh went completely off the rails into live aid and then uh, he, uh our irish listener also sent us over um an advert from bob Geldof back in 1985 um, that we will include in the uh, the show notes where it's him uh, doing like an anti-vandalism uh, uh, advertisement, uh, talking to, <laughs> <laughs> which for someone from a punk band does not seem very cool. Uh, our- yeah, I have not uh, I have not watched that yet, but I did <laughs> see the link and I am excited to check it out. Yeah, our official stance at Chumbology headquarters is that vandalism is very cool, almost as cool as owning a gun and collectivizing your neighbors and uh, workplace. <laughs> So um, I believe that's it for emails. Any comments on that? I do have another message that uh, was sent over uh, from our Canadian correspondent, MK. Yeah, Uh, I did want to say that uh, it's interesting that our anonymous Irish uh, listener talked about like how, yeah, like Live Aid did do like charitable good, like like it did raise money for important issues, but it was... I think it's a really good example and perhaps even like one of the earliest examples of pop culture of how cynical like corporate like philanthropy can be. Um, like one of the things you always hear whenever someone like <laughs> criticizes billionaires, like whenever a bootlicker wants to like defend billionaires like Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates, they're like, well, they do so much good with their money. They have like all of these foundations and shit. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. Like it, 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 like the Bill and Melinda Gates foundation may do like good shit because Bill and Melinda Gates throw a shit ton of money at the world's problems. But like one, it, it, I don't know necessarily that, they do it out of the goodness of their hearts, like billionaires who donate a lot of money to causes, you know, it's like, it's what's expected of people. And if you do enough like token, like charity work, people aren't going to challenge the fact that you have an obscene amount of wealth hoarded while, you know, people can't afford insulin in your, in your fucking country. And the second thing is like, like no one should have the amount of influence that a billionaire can have on like public health policy as someone like Bill Gates does just because he has so much money to like throw at charitable causes and research and stuff like it we we shouldn't be in a position where where we have to rely on the benevolence of one person exactly. to like fund these things you know so like I, I i in a lot of ways see like things like that go all the way back to uh to live aid so you know it, it's really one of the earliest instances that i can think of of pop culture like normal the idea of like like selling something or like or like associating like wealth with uh charity yeah um bill gates gets thrown a lot thrown around a lot as someone who is like doing the right thing and he he's dedicated to giving away all his money since he did that quote i think it was like 10 years ago where he was like i'm gonna give away all my money his net worth has gone up like 16 billion dollars not doing a very good job are you you fuckhead so fuck (laughs) bill gates bill gates also like ruined 
the idea of open source software back yep. in the beginning of computer days. I think we touched yep. on it on this show. I know I got into a Twitter Twitter argument about it with someone, but um, <laughs> he broke a bunch of antitrust laws to package uh, proprietary software with operating systems, which is why for the first like 10 years of your fucking existence, if you are old enough to have owned like a Windows 95 computer, use yeah. Internet Explorer and every shitty piece of Microsoft fucking software that came with it oh, yeah. instead of having the ability to use third-party software. You still had the ability, but by packaging these goods together, it really dampered the competition, most of which was open source at, the, at that point. It was a lot of the people yeah. that went on to continue developing things like Linux, things like Mozilla Firefox, which are all... I don't know if they're not-for-profit, but they are all like collective... I know that Mozilla is. Mozilla yeah. is, is is not for profit. I don't know about Linux. Linux, yeah, Linux is almost entirely not for profit. I believe there are certain, um, what's the the word for it? Um, I'm getting made fun of by nerds if I don't remember this. Um, but anyway, <laughs> there there are like certain like uh, like developments like releases of it that I believe some of them are like technically for profit just because they are like the ones that if you were running it in a secure environment, you would yeah. pay for it because that way you got support, you got continuous updates, things like that. Yeah. But um, yeah. So, uh, so, uh, fuck Bill Gates. Is that where we're landing with this one? Yeah. Fuck Bill Gates. Okay, cool. 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 Oh. cool. Just wanted to make sure I was up to date. <laughs> Wasn't wasn't he also on the Epstein flight logs? I feel I like I saw not, a picture of him with. I Jeff would not Epstein. doubt it. All those <laughs> if you have if you have over like one billion dollars, you're probably a piece of shit. Um, on on the slight billionaire redemption story, um, Jack, whose last name I do not know. Uh, oh yeah, the Twitter guy. Owns yeah, I just Twitter saw this. and Square gave away one third of his net worth, which uh, you still got two thirds more to get rid of, but a lot bigger chunk than a lot of other people have been donating. So yeah. Uh, like a, a vague shout out to Jack from Twitter. I'll give you like a, a sad golf clap. Well, it's interesting because because he, uh, I I just googled this. He is a billionaire, but among like American billionaires, he has like one of the lowest net worths. Like he has, according to a quick Google search, three point three billion, whereas like Elon Musk has thirty billion, or uh, Bill Gates is like in the hundreds of billions. So it's like it's funny seeing how like even someone who you know being a billionaire at all is way too much money, right? Like, but. Even someone who like like the person who's doing this is someone who's like lower in the class of billionaires. Like Eric exactly, Clark, so. he's, he's a he's a small fish still. Yeah, Bill Gates' net worth ninety nine point three billion, and I'm not even gonna fucking bother googling uh, Jeff Bezos's because I'm gonna punch a hole through my <laughs> fucking monitor. Yeah. But anyway, uh, you you uh, also have a comment from our Canadian correspondent, MK, to share. I do. So MK sent me this very handy list of things you can do in lockdown. Um, so if you're at Hell home yeah. and are looking for things to do, um, here's the complete list from MK. Um, you can drink a whiskey drink. You can drink a vodka drink. You can drink a lager, lager drink. You can drink a cider drink. You can sing songs that remind you of the good times, and you can sing songs that remind you of the better times. That's a really good list. Yeah. I would also I would also like to add that you can piss the night away. Yeah, you could also piss the night away. Yeah. Um <laughs> and you could sit, you, you could implore your next door neighbor to not cry for you. <laughs> so yeah, like MK sent me that and I was like I'm going to read this on this show but I'm going to do it very seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, MK. Shout out. Yeah. If you haven't listened to if you haven't listened to the episode that features MK yet, 
yeah, do it. Do it. It was a fun time. It was a good time. Listen to all of our episodes with guests. They're very good. Yeah. <laughs> They're way better than when Teddy and I just sit and jerk off That's for an fair. hour. Like, <laughs> I think the one with Rudy is still my favorite. Our first dive into that chaos. Oh my god. Well, the thing about that one was like, the thing about that one was like, we didn't expect it to be as chaotic as it was. Where by the time we had by the time we had Sean on. I was like, okay, I know what to expect when we have a guest. We're not going to stay focused. We're going to get off topic. We're going to go on these tangents, and that's going to be great as long as we have fun with it. When Rudy came on, I made, like, full show notes. I made, like, you know, I was prepared, and then I was like, oh, wait. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, shout out to all of our all of our guests. Yeah. And shout out to all of our listeners because uh, seeing that we still get people who listen to the show every week is actually really motivating yeah. um, to – actually keep doing it uh during this very awful and chaotic time yeah we we broke a thousand total downloads a while back um yeah i don't know what we're up to now but it's a lot more hours people have spent with us than i would have expected and that's really i think yeah i think that this podcast uh outpaces the amount of time any of the music i've made in the past (laughs) like 12 or 13 years has been downloaded i think it outpaces that by about a hundred (laughs) times I, so, I don't think I can you. stay the same. Basement Beer still no, gets like can't. a shitload of fucking listens for some reason. Yeah, yeah. It was. I mean, I mean, huh? Basement Beers was a pretty moderately successful uh, <laughs> DIY emo band. So I get it. I'm gonna bleep out I, our name. I still listen to Basement Beers. <laughs> We've gotten 1,307 downloads, which nice. is cool. Thank That's you. pretty cool. When we break 1,500, maybe we can have a party. Yeah, a Zoom meeting party though. I'll post pictures of my ass when we get to 1,500. All right, you heard it here first, folks. Teddy's <laughs> ass pictures are coming with 1,500 downloads. Yeah, that's only so 200 more. At this chop, rate, chop. that's like five more episodes maybe. Yeah. I got yeah, some time. Not bad. <laughs> I literally so I literally ordered a, uh, a full-length mirror so I could take better pictures of my ass while in quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Got to be prepared. Yeah, you never know. The future of sex is just sending each other pictures because we're never going to be able to um, get out of the house again. That's essentially it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we live in a hell world. <laughs> we live in a hell world, but at least my ass looks good. That's exactly. When I die um, and my family has to attend my funeral over a Zoom meeting, um, I want them to, to play, uh, give the anarchist a cigarette while a slideshow of my ass plays. <laughs> You know how when someone dies, like, the funeral parlor um, uh, puts out a bunch of pictures of them from throughout their life? Yeah. I want, uh, when I die, to just have pictures of my ass from throughout (laughs) my life. Through the ages. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then everyone who attends my funeral will get busted by the FBI for child pornography. (laughs) The ultimate sting. The ultimate ultimate burn. If I'm going down, I'm taking everyone who loved me with me. All right, so Dan, you want to jump uh, jump over and talk about uh, what order we rated these tracks in? Uh, just, I would love to. Would, would um, you like to go first? Give me give me your top to your bottom. We can see how they compare. Yeah, uh, I'm actually going to do my bottom to my top just because I, okay. I want to end on a positive note. Okay. Um, so uh, I got I, I got to start by explaining that uh, when we did this song, I said that I would have to revisit it after the week that we did it because I was having a chaotic week and didn't know if me liking it was because I actually liked it or whether it was because the song was chaotic and I it fit my mood. Uh, so Chase PC's Flea Attack by Own Dog is at the bottom for me. <laughs> because really? It's, 
it's it's just so fucking weird and incoherent and i had to rank every other song above it and that's not to say it's a bad song i do really like it but i think every other song on the album is just like more coherent and less like makes me want to like run through a wall less you know what i mean (laughs) so had to rank it at the bottom next up was meinhof the instrumental Mm -hmm. um next after that was car trouble then that's how grateful we are. Then uh, Ulrich, Rubens has been shot. Slap, Rappaport's testament. I never gave up. Uh, Tiananmen Square, and then coming in at number one, uh, is Chase PC's flea attack by own dog <laughs> again because. <laughs> Because in keeping with the chaos of the rest of this album, it is both my favorite and least favorite song on the album (laughs) because of just how fucking wild and stupid it is. (laughs) I think that this might be the most different our lists have ever been. Hell yeah. All right, hit me with yours. So my least favorite track, almost by default, is Meinhof, just because it's just like a a less lacking version of Ulrich. It would have felt weird to to put that above any of the other songs on the album. I I also would have put that one... Uh, as my bottom, but it wouldn't have been as my bit wouldn't have been as funny if if I did. So, <laughs> um, so after that is that's how grateful we are. Um, after that is slap, and then Rubens has been shot, then Tiananmen Square, then Chase PC's flea attack by own dog, then car trouble, then Rappaport's testament. I never gave up, and then coming in at number one was Ulrich. Really, nice. really like that fucking song. I do too. Like, like I said, I don't think there's there's no song on this album that I dislike. Uh, I think probably the the reason I ranked some of them lower was mostly came down to lyrics. The songs that I liked the best on this album were the ones that like I I really liked the lyrics too. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, or, or maybe it was even just like the subject matter of the songs that really like ultimately pulled me towards it. I just love the Bernadette Devlin story so much. And I'm really, I really like that the title track like introduced me to that. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, you know, if you'll forgive, if you'll forgive the pun, the title track of this album does slap. It is a slapper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's how I felt about Car Trouble. I didn't love Car Trouble. Like the the first time I listened to it, but after mm-hmm. I like read along with the lyrics and was like, oh shit, this is like a pretty fucking good way of not like explaining, but like a, a good metaphor for like racism and segregation. Yeah, um, it, the the lyrics really hit me a little bit harder. Um, so that that definitely got bumped up a, a lot more than my my initial uh, take of it. Yeah. Um, rating this album felt weird though. I think part of it is because this album is only available for ease of listening as like a complete piece of media as right. like, one YouTube video. Unless you were to go, obviously you could look up every YouTube video in a row. But um, I yeah. really feel that this album flows best as an album. I agree with that. With the I exception of like maybe Ulrich or like uh, uh, Rappaport's Testament, I don't know if I would necessarily like show anyone any of these songs on the album as their own individual pieces of media. I think I, I think I agree with you, which is interesting because I think as a front to back album, this one is more consistent and works better and doesn't have any like lulls in the energy 
it's it's better in that regard than either of the first two albums. It's not necessarily a better album. I just think that every single song on this album sounds more like it belongs with the rest of the songs than the first two albums did. You know what I mean? There were yeah. there was at least a handful of songs on each of the first two albums that I'm like this could just be any song really like it doesn't necessarily have to be on this album which is quite a feat because this album is chaotic as hell like these songs do not necessarily sound alike but the way that they flow and interact with each other is is very very well done yeah and i feel like uh part of part of what binds all of that together is uh we've talked about this throughout talking about the album but part of what binds it all together is how instead of talking about like like general ideas or uh, general issues in politics that are affect that were affecting the their environment like directly when they made the album like they did on the first two on slap chumbawamba honed in lyrically on very specific and sometimes obscure events in history um like Zora Neale Hurston for example the subject of the song car trouble she was a fairly obscure author for like up until relatively recently because um like a lot of her work didn't uh wasn't as celebrated as like the literary canon of like mostly white males uh throughout like the 20th century you know so the fact that Chumbawamba had a song about her before her work was really starting to be reintroduced into like uh public dialogue was really interesting and you know, another another example of that is the fucking uh, in Rubens has been shot where about the the Peter Paul Rubens painting that got damaged during the riots in Dresden. Yeah, um, it's it, it's it's weird it, to it, view it, this yeah. album through the lens of 2020 because all of this shit that they're talking about sounds like ancient history. And I mean, yeah. some of the things that they discussed did happen farther back in time than others, as you had just pointed out. But yeah. I think it's worth pointing out that, as you said, like that, like some of this shit they were talking about wasn't something that was really big or being discussed. I'm sure yeah. not being mentioned by any other bands um, that was coming out in like a timely manner. So, so that's really cool. Yeah, and I think the biggest strength that this album has is that it is conceptually so solid. Like, I think the fact that all of these songs are about super specific things in history. Um, except for Chase PC's Flea Attack by Own Dog, which we've determined is about, like, a sitcom or something. I don't remember what the bit we did for that was, but <laughs> it, it had something to do with Jesse and the Rippers. That's yeah, all I remember. Yeah, it was the, the crossover episode between Jesse and the Rippers and the Tool Time Band. That's right. That's right. <laughs> which is canon so, now. I'm going to edit the Wikipedia now. page. <laughs> and you can cite our podcast yeah. <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a source. Yeah. I'm going to do um, that. That's really funny. But but I will say, um, even though each song is about a subject that is, like, not related to the subjects of the other songs in any explicit way, I feel like the super specificness of each subject is what conceptually binds the album as a whole together, which is kind of ironic to think about for me because I think that this album works better and more consistently on a conceptual level than either of the first two albums, which were both concept albums about like a specific subject that overarched throughout the entire album. Not to say that like, not to say that the concepts on nevermind the ballots or um, pictures of starving children were like 
were bad or flawed. It's just each of those albums had one or two songs on them that like kind of, you know, was weaker than all of the rest of them. Whereas here we have nine songs that feel like they belong together that are all roughly the same, like in terms of, uh, in terms of enjoyability and quality. And, like, none of them really, like, super stand above the others. And that's why I think, like, as a front-to-back experience, this album is extremely solid. Even if, like you said, there's not necessarily as many individual songs that jump out and are like, oh, I gotta show my friend uh, Rubens has been shot, you know? Like, yeah. And, I mean, and that leads us into our next question is, would you think this is a good Chumbawamba album to start with? Absolutely fucking not. <laughs> See, so I, 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 I disagree. Okay. Depending on who you're showing it to. Because there are some people I know that would fucking love an album like this. And That's would true. not really be as into like uh, something like uh, Pictures of Starving Children or even like Nevermind the Ballads. So I showed this album to Stan back like when we were first starting it he he wanted to be a guest and ended up not working out timing wise well we'll get him on a later episode love you stan but um like as someone if i knew someone who listened to like like prog rock or anything like weird and experimental i could be like hey you know who wrote this super fucking weird like not prog (laughs) but like experimental concept album jumbo So I I don't think it's necessarily a starting album for everyone, but I think for those people that are into more like avant-garde music, it may be a better way to hook them in than either the first two albums we discussed, which are a little bit more straightforward. Okay, I I, I could buy that. I think that the... I think that you could definitely be correct in it being a good album to show specific people who are into specific kinds of music. The reason I said no is because... As far as Chumbawamba's sound goes, I think you can kind of split it into three main eras. Yeah. You have you have the punk era, you have like the dance like dance rock era, and you have the folk era. And slap doesn't really neatly fit into any of those. It's there's not really anything folksy on this album. Uh and everything else is like a solid like middle ground between punk and, and dance. There's a lot of really dancey moments on this album, but they're almost like more reggae ska dancey than it is like synthesizers and like drum machines the way that an album like Tub Thumper is. So, so I'm I'm gonna disagree with you. I, I okay. think that Chumbo Wamba has has four main sounds because <laughs> oh, I feel no. like you'll listen to, when we get to Shush and Jesus H. Christ. Okay. That it's very much in this vein. There is straight up a, a reggae track on Shush featuring a uh, – <laughs> they, they have a guest vocalist on it. Luckily, you don't get to hear anyone in Chumbawamba try and do uh, reggae vocals. <laughs> but this this fits in that vein. So I feel like this okay. was like a weird transition period into like that dance because this one isn't super sample heavy. But it is mm-hmm. one of the first times we see them using musical samples instead yeah. of just – like uh, that like fucking Elvis samples. sample. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they do that. I mean, we we can kind of uh, move on into it now, but our, our next topic of discussion is yeah. what's coming next. So um, maybe maybe I'll have to reevaluate my opinion yeah. of if this is a good one after we have made it through like this incoming era. Because like yeah. I said, I've never listened to Shush or Jesus H. Christ. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah. Um, any, anything else about this, about it being a good album, or do you want to dive into what's coming up next? 
All I want to say is uh, shout out to Derek Dog. Yeah. Love you, buddy. The eternal. <laughs> the eternal good boy. All right. Hit us with what's next, Seti, yeah. for, our, for, for our adoring listeners so they can wait on the edge of their seats to see so, what we've got up our sleeves. Um, as we have teased twice now on this uh, episode so far, I'm not really sure if it's teasing, if it's in an episode that you're most likely listening to at the same time. The next album we will be listening to and talking about is uh, Shush, which is Chumbawamba's fifth studio album. Um, we will also be discussing a little bit side by side um, their unreleased album, Jesus H. Christ which was supposed to be their next studio album release, but is very heavily sample-based, and they could not get the rights to most of them. So it does exist in some form or another. You can find it online, but it never got an official release. And some of those songs were modified and made into songs on Shush, but there is a bit of an overlap between the final product of Shush and uh, what was on Jesus H. Christ. Hell yeah. I'm really looking forward to it, because like I was saying... um, never listened to either of these albums and jesus h christ is one that i've known about just from being a general fan of the band and knowing that they had this whole album that they had to ditch which like made me think like uh, i remember first hearing about that back when i was like i don't know like 13 or 14 years old and just reading about this band and being like wait what they have an entire album that just got canceled i didn't even know that could happen so yeah i'm really looking forward to this one that's coming up there there are a few tracks on that uh made it from Jesus H. Christ on the shush, yeah. I believe, in like mostly their whole form, but a lot of them were reworked. Um so Shush and Slap, which came out I guess technically back to back because Jesus H. Christ never got a re-release, were then both later re-released as like a, a double LP called Shlap. Oh that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Shlap. Shlap. <laughs> Maybe I'll try and get a copy of that for uh before we get too deep into Shush. Hell yeah. Yeah, so that's uh, that's what right. we're, we're well, coming up next. We we've got some yeah. cool guests planned out. Um, yeah, It'll be a good and time. I guess for now, uh, I guess for now, all that's left to say is uh, thank you, Slap, for uh, kind of being our benchmark of what life was like before uh, the hell world <laughs> we live in now. Yeah, um, and, and then uh, guiding us through this hell world. Yeah, yeah. This is what our 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 fourth episode now of uh, uh our fourth quarantine episode. Yes. I have not gone any further away from my apartment than to the grocery store in four weeks. Same. <laughs> Just have, about four weeks. I have not left my block in four weeks. Yeah, yeah, yep. So uh, thank you, Slap, for being the soundtrack to this very trying and chaotic time. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Chumbology, a Chumbawamba anthology podcast. Music you heard on this episode was I Never Gave Up, but it was the single version. Figured I'd mix it up a bit. Um, No one really owns the rights to this, so chaos reigns. We live in a hell world. Uh, This episode is a day late, but uh, time's not real. Um, If you want more of us, you can find us at Chumbology.rocks, or on Twitter at ChumbologyRocks, or email us at ChumbologyPod at gmail.com. I'm also going to plug Dan's Twitch channel. They have been streaming themselves making video games. And the two of us have been doing some dumb shit on there. So if you're looking for more content to keep you entertained during this uh, 
social isolation period, uh, check out uh, twitch.tv slash ceaselessly. That's C-E-A-S-E-L-E-S-S-L-Y. Thank you. Bye.